What's good, everybody? Welcome to the debut of a new series. Same host, everything wrong with, where I go down uh, things and the issues wrong with everything in sports. Uh, debut of season one of a three-episode season. Debut of the new series, everything wrong with. I am your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Don't worry, the uh, weekly sports talk I'm gonna tell like a TI is. Uh, podcast will still be up and running, but uh, this is a new series that I uh, developed over the winter, and I was just waiting for the right time to uh, to get it going, I guess, and no better time than now, especially with the first sport that I am going to uh, critique and break down, and that is Major League Baseball. Um, and basically, long story short, I'm going to just go out and every single one of the, you know, I'll do MLB, the first episode, uh, the NFL, the next episode, and the NBA, the last episode of season one, and I'll sort of like space them out so it's not as common as the weekly pod, regular podcast episodes, and then if that takes off, then we'll have a season two, and if that takes off, we'll go to a season three, and so on and so forth. But hi, everybody. Uh, same guy. Show is not going to change. It's just that rather than me doing it in sort of like a, a, a sports talk show uh, format, I'm going to do it in form of like a quote-unquote YouTube video where I like find a pick a subject and expound on that for, 90, for you know an hour to 90 minutes, whatever the case might be. So... Um, I got plenty of themes. Uh, I got an econ- we're doing Major League Baseball first. Um, we got plenty of themes. We got a uh, economics theme, uh, a television theme as far as entertainment is concerned, the game itself, and then of course I got a uh, a um a uh, a a, uh, a um culture aspect, if you will, to, to uh, a theme tend up the program. But um, first, I mean, let's jump right into it. I mean, I was, I've was i been waiting for a long time to, you know, do the baseball one first. I purposely wanted to do the baseball one first, but I was waiting for the right time to strike. And there's no better time to strike than right now with what's going on between in Major League Baseball with the Players Association and the league basically bickering back and forth for two months about prorated salaries and games to play in a season and all that other nonsense. But we got a 60-game season on the board. I'll get to that. Uh, you can check out the regular uh, podcast episode later this weekend to hear my thoughts as far as the 60-game season is concerned. But first, let's jump right into it. Um, theme number one I'm going to get to is economics, the money aspect of what's wrong with Major League Baseball. Um, in general, the ticket prices, when it comes to going to the games, the box office, they have become way, way, way too expensive. Are they the football? Is it football or basketball expensive? No. But the baseball ticket has gotten way too pricey, in my opinion. And this is for a sport that's it, that's attendance that has decreased over the last couple of years. That doesn't draw big TV ratings. That's a sport that once was, you know, America's pastime and one, you know, and the top sport in the nation. You know, with football back in, you know, it was it, baseball was a top tier. You know, it was right there with the NFL and MLB in the 80s. 
and then the 90s and that includes the steroid era and then of course seven in 70s and 60s it was football so in the 70s and 60s it was football and baseball and and even boxing even with Muhammad Ali and the Sugar Ray Leonard and everybody else and basketball really up until Bird and Magic in the 80s really kind of kind of uh, came last and third but uh, the ticket prices for Major League Baseball has become way too expensive. Uh, to give you, I mean, I mean, let me give you an example. Back in 1990, with the with the Orioles, I mean, this this is this is from an article from the Baltimore Sun in November 1990. So this is heading into the last season at Memorial Stadium, which was in 1991. Orioles ticket prices ticket prices were as high. For as eleven dollars a pop, for seventy five hundred lower box seats, and as low as a buck fifty for senior citizens and children who buy the general admission tickets. Think about that for me. If you now, granted, Memorial Stadium took place in a neighborhood. Oriole Park is you know is downtown, but think about that for a minute. Eleven dollars if you want the nice seats. So you take a family of five, you know, out to the ball game, and no, and again, no charging for parking like it is now. I mean, back then, you know, if you could, you could uh, the the people that lived in the neighborhood where Thirty Third Street where Memorial Stadium once stood up, uh, you know, people that lived in that neighborhood would 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 pay people a dirt cheap price for them to park on their lawns, park in their driveway, park in the street, whatever the case might be. So, you know, if parking on a neighbor's driveway is like a is like, you know, a dollar seventy five and then you got, you know, a, and then you have, you know, a family of five if you want the if you want the nice uh lower box seats, you're walking out of there with what, eleven times eleven times five, that's fifty five dollars Plus the you know plus the dollar seventy five you spent to park on a neighbor on the you know on a person's lawn, on a neighbor's front lawn, you're looking at that's knocking on you know fifty six fifty seven dollars, you know and 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 I'm not even getting to you know the uh, you know the the soda that was fifty cents, and the hot dog and the hot dog that was you know that was that was a buck five. So I mean, the the my point is, is that you could watch an Orioles take a family out. Do I'm using five as an example because my family goes to Oriole games all the time, you know, and it's five of us parents, and then my brother, my sister, and of course there's me. But you know, if we go or going to Orioles game in 2020, it's like you know, it's you you spend like a hundred plus dollars, you know. You spend you spend over a hundred dollars when it comes to the expense of parking because the team plays downtown, you know. But it's a it's a little bit apples and oranges because you know the Orioles, like I said, Memorial Stadium was in the middle of a neighborhood, and Oriole Park at Camden Yards is right smack dab, you know, downtown about a couple blocks away from uh, from the Inner Harbor. So it's a little bit different because you know it's down downtown versus neighborhood and I get and I get the idea of inflation and everything else but still I mean for for a family of five you could you know get yourself a hot dog soda and pay and get and get the nice seats that are eleven dollars you know at the lower box and spend no more than seventy five dollars no more 
and if you and if you want to and if you want general admission, you can cut that slice in half. So I mean, all right. So let's think about this for a minute. If the th if me and my brother and sister were you know were let's say nine, seven, and six years old. A dollar fifty. Let's let's do the math right quick. A dollar fifty times three. All right. Let, let's let's do that right quick. So you got dollar fifty, and then you times it by three. That's that's four dollars and fifty cents. And then you take that four dollars and fifty cents. And then you, and then you take that four dollars and fifty cents, and you plus it, you know, and you add whatever you want because, you, like the like it said, the tickets were as were as expensive per person by eleven dollars. So if you if you get if you get the cheap seats, it's that's still dirt cheap. I mean, a hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, now I know the Orioles have kind of gone back, and I'm not going to stick this with just the Orioles. I'll give you the Yankees in a minute. You know, from, you know, Orioles, which is which is a small to mid-market team to, you know, big, bad New York Yankees. But I know the Orioles now, they got the, you know, the kids under nine years old is free of charge admission. But they do that partially because the team stinks. But, but still at the same time, I mean, it was dirt cheap. You know that you don't get you don't get those discounts anymore like you used to, and I get it, it's inflation and everything else, and you know it's different ownership that own the Orioles now than who than the uh, than the ownership group that uh, I'll look up the name in a minute. Um, uh, you know it's different owners than when the Orioles played at that played at uh, played at Memorial Stadium. Than the you know than the different ownership group in Angelos you know that play downtown, but at the but at the same time I mean let's see if I can give you the owner here prior to Angelos. Let's see Peter Angelos he bought the team in nineteen ninety. He bought it in 1993, so he's been the owner in 1993. Eli Jacobs was the owner prior to Angelos, and he was the owner in the Orioles. He was the owner for the Orioles' inaugural season at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. He owned the team from 1989 to 1993, but I and I understand inflation and everything else, but tickets are way too expensive when you factor in parking. When you factor in parking. When you factor in that's five dollars for a hot dog, and you know seven fifty for you know for a uh, for a Budweiser, and and eight dollars for but you know for a Coca Cola if you want to get it in a nice little souvenir cup, not to mention you know if you wanna you wanna go get something from the team store or you wanna get yourself a, a hat or whatever. You know, if you if you walk into the uh, you know if you get it online the MLB dot com shop or get it or get it at Dick Sporting Goods, you know you'll you'll spend you know you'll spend about thirty to thirty five dollars on an authentic fifty nine fifty New Era cap. You go buy a hat at the stadium, <laughs> the hat the same exact hat, no difference, but they charge you forty dollars forty five dollars for the hat. And God forbid if it's like if it's if it's like a little throwback hat because the team's wearing, you know, throwback uniforms that day or if it's hat for the All-Star game or if it's a hat 
for Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. And because it's like a quote unquote special edition hat, the price goes up automatically. So and it, so if you want like a nice uh, All Star game hat, and you go you know see the Orioles play the Blue Jays the Sunday before the All Star break, and you want to go get your hands on a uh, on an Orioles All Star All Star game hat batting practice at the stadium, you're gonna you're gonna drop down fifty. You know you're gonna drop forty five to fifty dollars, including tax. Somewhere around that. But if you pay for it online or or in the retail store, you get it for for thirty five to forty dollars. So it's like about ten dollars more expensive if you get it in the stadium rather than getting it in a regular retail store, you know, at the mall or whatever, or getting it online. So 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 the so the ticket prices have just become way wait now granted it's still more it's more inexpensive than football is but but let's be fair the baseball part of the reason why baseball's attendance is so bad not just because the teams stink in the last couple of seasons outside of 2019 you know 2017 and 2018 they had to deal with essentially winter carrying out into the month of may but other than that the ticket prices have got have gotten have gotten a little bit out of control I understand inflation, all that sort of stuff, but come on now. And 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 for more than half of these stadiums, the owners don't even you know the owners don't own this don't own the stadiums that that their team is playing. The state owns them. Tax the 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 stadium keeps open and and uh, and maintenance and they update the maintenance on it through the taxpayers' money. You know, but Peter Angelos does not own Oriole Park or Camden Yards. The state does. You know, it has the team name on it. He does not own that. The state owns it. That's that's Larry Hogan and everybody else down in Annapolis. State owns the stadium. So, and especially with that, you know, and if and and if the owner owns it, you know, I you can quibble about that, but at the same time, the owner, you know, it's his building. He can charge whatever he wants. But when but but the issue that I have is when the state owned the place, they pay enough money to keep the stadium open as it is through the taxpayer dollars. Especially if you are a city that has, you know, if it has two or more sports teams in it. You know, a la Baltimore, a la you know Boston. You know, you got you got four teams. You got the hockey, basketball, baseball, and football. Now, granted, football, you know, the Patriots don't play in the city of Boston, but you get the idea. It's still within the state of Massachusetts. But, you know, when 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 the state owns when the state owns the building, we gotta do a better job. Especially if you're Major League Baseball and you want to get more people out to the games. You know, on summer nights in the middle of June, July, and August, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Or catch a or catch a Wednesday matinee game, the tickets cannot be over the top expensive, especially especially for for a family of four or five, or dare I say six, if you know if you're parents and you got and you got four kids, or if you're Heathcliff Huxable, I'll the Cosby Show and you got five kids, they they can't be over the top for families of five, six, and seven. You you, you can't do it. You can't do it. Too pricey, and it's not just the Orioles. I mean, I, I I mean I can give you the Yankees right here. 
Um, the New York Yankees hit. This is gonna blow your mind with the Yankees. Okay, now this goes all the way up to 2008, but uh, I won't even go back to 1970, 50 years ago. I'll start at 1980. You know how much it was to get a seat in Yankee Stadium? And now, granted, it's the old Yankee Stadium, but you know how much it was to get a seat? Seven fifty. Okay, ten years later, twelve dollars. Not terrible. Two thousand. Two thousand. This is a ten-year period. From ten years, the ticket at an average ticket at Yankee Stadium, same stadium, mind you, a ten-year difference. From twelve dollars to fifty-five dollars. Now, granted, I'll be fair. Granted, the team's revenue went through the roof because, of course, in 1990, the Yankees were kind of, um, you know, they they had, you know, uh, Torrey wasn't there yet. They, uh, Rivera wasn't there yet. Bernie wasn't there yet. Jeter was not drafted at the time. I mean, I, I can go I can go down the list. So the Yankees, the Yankees weren't the '90s Yankees in 1990. So, so I, I got to be fair, you know, for the revenue, the t- you know, they become more of a, they were a hotter ticket in 2000, you know, when they were winning championships in the late '90s, you know, in the mid late '90s, and they even went to the World Series and won in 2000. Granted, you know, compared to 1990 when they were kind of you know where where the big bad teams in the American League, you know. For you know, for one, for one of them was the was the uh, was the Oakland A's, and then you also had the Twins, and then you had the and you also had the Blue Jays back in the early nineties. So I, I I'll be fair on that, but twelve dollars to fifty five dollars, I mean come on, it's it's all, ten years goes by like that. I mean only it seems like it was only yesterday that that we were in two thousand and ten. Ten years is not a long time, but the but I mean. I mean, if you go back to 1980, 40 years ago, and the Yankees were good in the, you know, in late 70s heading into the 750. You know, 1970 it was $4. So I un- I understand inflation ha- as inflation has uh, something to do with it, but I mean the 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 ticket prices, I mean, come on now. So if 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 Major League Baseball you know, I understand they can only do but so much, and the Yankees are a billion-dollar uh, team. You know, one of the one of the they are like the mo- one of the top five the uh, most net worth uh, teams in all of North American sports, let alone the entire world. But there's got to be something. I mean, it's it's an arm and a leg that go to the games. I mean, think about this for a minute. 1987, okay. Box seats cost $10. General admission was 450. They had a senior since when do you see get see teams they the senior citizen discounts are more like promotions, okay? Movie movie theaters I think is the only thing where they still give to see movie theaters and restaurants. Since when do you see a team on a regular basis have a senior citizen discount? Senior citizens to get into Yankee Stadium in 1987 was a dollar. 
was a dollar. So, I mean, I, I understand that they're the New York Yankees, but gee whiz, 750 season tickets for all 81 games in 1987, $750. You don't even want to know what, how much it is to get Yankee season tickets in 2020. Now, granted, Major League Baseball's revenue has gone up over the years, but still, if Major League Baseball wants people to be inside the building, and this is the major point I'm getting at, if Major League Baseball wants to get more people in the stadium through the box office, I'm not saying make it so we're in 1950 and, you know, uh, uh, you put down a dollar and you get yourself a... T- I'm not talking about that. But you got to make the game more accessible to go to for the average fan who also has a family. For the average fan that's got a family of five, family of six, family of four, you gotta make the t- that you know that that makes eighty eighty thousand you know that makes seventy thousand a year. You, you gotta make the ticket more. Uh, you got you gotta make the ticket more accessible accessible to them. Football they have that same issue, but football's a TV sport. The experience you get watching a football game is just you know it's it's you know to watch the game itself I it's better watching on TV, but going to the game going to a football game is more of the atmosphere. Watching it on TV is like the best way to watch a football game, but going to the game you get the atmosphere, the crowd noise, you get into it and everything else. You're right there. You can see it live with your own eyes. You're not looking at a screen or anything. But football is a TV sport. Basketball. It's in person. But it's t- it's in person and it's TV. Baseball. It's hockey. Same, hockey, same thing as ba- Hockey is the same with the two other sports. See it in person. And it's a TV sport. Baseball's not a TV sport. It's radio and it's going to the games. People tell me all the time that are not that are sports fans but are not baseball fans that they enjoy every now and again going to a baseball game. Because 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 of the of the experience of going to the game, smell the hot dogs cooking. Hear you know, hear the hear the ball hit hear the ball hit the mitt, hear the crack of the bat, you know, take me out to the ball game, peanuts, the cracker jacks, this, that, and the other. It's you know, the people tell me that they rather rather watch a game in person. People tell me this all the time that aren't baseball fans. They say, I would Johnny, let me tell you, I would rather I would much rather, you know, go through the hassle of traffic, all the walking, the parking you know, go through the nine miles of going to the game, experiencing it live in first person and the stadium, than watching it on TV. 
So if people that are sports fans but not baseball fans walk up to me and tell me that in a baseball town, you know, I'm not I'm not going to a school that's you know that's sitting in uh, Frederick County. No, 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 no. I'm my school. I literally can see the Baltimore, the downtown skyline, from my uh, from the, from my high school. Okay, right smack dab in the middle of Baltimore in a baseball town. Okay, I everyone they love the Ravens, but when the Orioles are good, this city, you know, this city, the city. Reacts, reacts just as uh, positively to when the Orioles are good than when as when the Ravens are good. They love the Ravens, and this definitely is a football town, but it's a, but it's a baseball town as well. You know, well, with the Ravens, it's more of the new generation, and when the Orioles are good, the older generation gets excited. Ravens are good. You know, it's the young twenty-five-year-old that's that's into it. And when the rate when the Orioles are good, it's the forty-five, the fifty, the fifty-five, the sixty-five-year-old that gets into it. I know. I was I was at Game Two ALDS when Delman Young hit the double. Never have experienced anything like that. And that and that would in 2014 that year the Ravens made the playoffs so it wasn't like the Ravens weren't necessarily a slouch they were two years removed from from winning a Super Bowl and they had a good and I had a I, the record off the top of my head I can't recall but they made but they made the playoffs last year and won a playoff game so that was, that was the playoff season the Ravens had and this town was lit up in orange for the Orioles. But people, but when, but when Major Bishop has to keep in mind when when people come up to to diehard fans and say I'd much rather go to the games and watch it on TV, that has to tell Major League Baseball something that maybe it's a better experience going to the game than watching it on TV. And if we want more people at the box office buying the tickets off of StubHub. Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, this, that, and the other. You got to make the tickets more, a little bit more inexpensive to the average person who makes eighty thousand a year with a, you know, with a with a decent sized family. Especially if the team plays, you know, plays smack dab in, in the middle of a of a of a city. Saint, Saint, you know, with the race, Saint Petersburg, you know, it's a suburb of of of, uh, of Tampa. I'm talking about, you know, Red Sox, Orioles, you know, teams that play right in the middle of, right smack dab in the middle of downtown of the city that they play in. We got to deal with parking and the, and the hassle and the traffic of getting to a game. Especially if it's on a Friday night, you also got to do a rush hour traffic of people leaving this, leaving the city, you know, from work, and you got extra people heading into the city for the ball game. So, you know, if Major League Baseball wants that, once their, uh, once the ticket sales up, they got to do a better job of making the ticket more accessible to the average fan, or the average person, I should say, because you can't walk out of a stadium. 
dropping at the most two hundred and fifty dollars for for a baseball game. You know the 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 eight the eight dollar for you know, eight dollar for 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 you know for beer that at your local bar around the corner you know is is half that 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 that's that's a little ridiculous. And also, and another thing, and then I'll get to a break, and I'll get to the next theme. There's no form of a salary cap in baseball. It get it gives the Yank it gives teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It gives the it gives the big market teams a more of an advantage than the mid than mid small mid or the mid market baseball team. You know, it's it's clear as day that the Yankees and the Red Sox have 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 advantages that the Orioles, Rays, and Blue Jays don't, and that and that's unfair. Part of the part of the reason of why people love sports so much is the unpredictability of it. And don't get me wrong, baseball isn't as unpredictable as the NBA was when it was Cavs and and Warriors every single year. So, you know, you don't walk into a season, you know, um, who would have thought that the Nationals, after Harper leaves them, takes all that money to go to a division rival was going to win the World Series, especially after, you know, they were 19-31, to 31, you know, at, in the middle of May. So baseball still has that unpredictability effect on it. You know, no one in America suspected that they that a eighty win that a eighty plus win Nationals team is going to knock out the big bad Do- big bad hundred plus win Dodgers. You know, in the in the NLDS, let alone take Houston to the seventh game of the World Series. So no, no, and and then that Anthony Rendon would have a career season that he still that he I don't give a crap about what Yelich did. he Anthony Rendon deserved to win that MVP, okay? When, when, I'm not gonna go into that because if I get into that I'll go off on a tangent and I'll get myself sidetracked. But it, baseball is still unpredictable, but not when it comes to the idea of teams that can win a championship, you know. It's you know it's it's Dodgers, Yankees, Astros. Is about there's about four or five teams that now grant it's like that in all sports, but the fact that but those teams especially because they have the deep pockets. It's not the problem with baseball is that the four or five best teams in the sport aren't this are more or more or less decided on the fact of who has the deeper pockets and who spends the big money rather than. You know, rather than the product that's on the field. Now, granted, all those te- you know the f- the favorites in baseball have the best teams, but they have so much more of an advantage. You know, and when the Yankees were in the quote unquote rebuild stage, you know, in the uh, in the mid two thousand tens, you know, they they were still a competitive baseball team. They. They went out there and they gave you an eighty an eighty two plus win season. But but there's only a handful of teams in baseball that can have a rebuild while still be while still go out there and be competitive, and that's the New York Yankees. 
and and it helps when you have the money that you have to go out there and, and sign guys to 100 plus, 200 plus, 300 plus million dollars. The Orioles don't have that. And and it's and it's unfair. It, it's a competitive disadvantage to the teams that play in the in the smaller cities, the smaller market than you know teams that play in Boston, New York, Washington, or Los Angeles. You know what? Why should this team have? Why should this team have an advantage? Because their team name is the Yankees and they're owned by the Steinbrenners and they play in one of the biggest cities in the world. That's not right. Okay, if 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 you took that logic of the small if of the small mid market teams, the Jets the Jets would you know would be, the Jets would be in it every year and the Green Bay Packers would stink. According to that logic, the 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 Green Bay Packers would have, would have a couple of would you know would have a couple of of good, decent seasons, but they'd be in the muck and mire most of the time. And it seems like the New York Jets would be in competition with the Patriots every single year. They got they got to fix that. I gotta fix that. Every sport, every sport, some you know, is successful with the salary cap. Basketball, basketball works for them. Football works for them. Hockey works for them. Every sport has worked and works and operates fine with the salary cap. Every every team is equal. Every team is equal. They get they every team gets the same amount of money that they can spend on certain players in a certain year. So you know every every team is equal. There, there there's not one team that spends more money on players than the next. It's it's it it, le- it levels out the playing field, and it speaks volumes because basketball and, and football are the top two sports in America. Baseball's number three, in case y'all haven't realized that already. It's it gives it's a competitive disadvantage to to the smaller market team. Uh, now, hopefully, I live long enough to baseball. They have some form of a salary cap because I'd love to see it. Every team gets this certain amount, you know, to spend on players every single season. I'd love to see that. So you know, which would that especially for for uh, for a person whose favorite team is division rivals with the big with the big bad Yankees and Red Sox. I'd I'd love for the salary cap. I I it would make the sport better and it would level out the play and it would level out the playing field. Because of course the Yankees are going to have the advantage. Because they're the Yankees, they play in New York, and they're owned by the Steinbrenners. And it also helps the teams that you know, and it's a benefit to the fans because you know, especially if they have those those tight, frugal, cheap owners that don't like to spend money. Because you don't want to overspend anything else like that. You don't have to worry about that if you have a salary cap. The same because the same amount of money 
that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has to spend on his players the same amount of money that um, that um, uh, John Henry has to spend for the Red Sox. I don't know. Take a break. Come right back. Get to the next theme. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to I'm a Tell Like Your T.I. Is Everything Wrong With Major League Baseball. That song actually came out um, 10 years ago today. So good job by Usher and Pitbull providing the soundtrack of what was, if my math serves me correctly, my third grade year back in elementary school. That song would come on every single day on the bus ride home from uh, Cedarmere Elementary, which is a place I have not remotely touched or been at since I graduated fifth grade. But um, that's my voting place, um, you know, when election time comes. So if uh, I might be up there in November, and if the pandemic says otherwise, I'll be up there within the next whatever it might be, but that's getting off the beaten path. Um, to the next theme that I got of everything that's wrong with Major League Baseball, it's television and lack of self-promotion by the league. The league back in the day, Major League Baseball, in case you didn't know, Major League Baseball had con- had broadcasting uh, contracts with CBS... ABC and NBC, not all at the same time, of course, but they did. Um, MLB used MLB on CBS was on television from nineteen from nineteen ninety. Let me get sure I get this right. From nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety three. Three years, they had Major League Baseball games on NBC, or excuse me, on CBS. At CBS, which is you know, which has been around and has been, which has been a staple of American television for the last seven, for the last sixty to seventy plus years. Okay, and MLB was on NBC with, of course, Bob Costas. Um, Kurt Gowdy, I think, did the games as well. Let me make sure I get that right. Um, uh, Gowdy, Gowdy, Gowdy. Yes, he did. From, uh, he did, uh, from 1966 to 1975, when NBC had the rights, um, and they had the rights, they had two runs, they, from 1947 now. 
So from 1947 to 1989, MLB games were shown nationally on the national broadcasting company NBC. That's NBC now. NBC, you know, uh, that's Cosby Show, that's Miami Vice, that's Friends, that's that's Big Bad NBC. Johnny Carson with The Tonight Show, Late at Night, and and then of course you had, um, and of course the Today Show in the morning and Tom Brokaw in the evening with the uh, NBC Nightly News. That's NBC now. And they had a second run from 94 to 2000 when they had Costas behind the mic. You know, broadcasting, the, you know, those, all, those all-time classic World Series games when they had, when they had Costas sitting there behind the mic. All the, you know, from, from 94 to 2000. So, so, so back then, Major League Baseball had... You know, and they had you know M- the NBC game of the week, which was you know which was uh, you know which was a staple, which was one st- which was a staple for NBC for for so 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 many years. And lastly, let's go to the NBC on ABC, which of course um, ha- you of course had Al Michaels. And uh, yeah, of course, you had Al Michaels, Keith Jackson, um, Howard Cosell as well. And before Fox had the quote-unquote Saturday game of the week, it was it was uh, it was ABC that had it, and they had the rights. They had two runs. They had from seventy-six to eighty-nine, and then from ninety, and then ninety-four to ninety-five. You know, and re- and they had those great World Series games when they had Keith Jackson. When they had, you know, they had Monday Night Football. They had the three man booth, and then for Monday Night Baseball, so they had Monday Night Baseball and Monday Night Football. ABC did, and Monday Night Baseball, which is pretty much the quote unquote what the MLB Network showcase in a way is to the you know to MLB Network now. Um, NBC had the Monday Night Baseball from '66 to '75. ABC had it from '76 to '88, and then they ha- and then on you know and then of course uh, NBC they had Gowdy behind the mic. NBC they had Gowdy behind the mic, and then ABC they had uh, you know ABC they had um, Keith Jackson behind the mic all those years. Al Michaels they had Gary Thorne in '89, and they also had the great Bob Uke behind the mic. With you know Howard Cosell, Tim McCarver, Bob Gibson, Earl Weaver, Jim Palmer, and Steve Stone, even pr- providing the play-by-play—not the play-by-play, but the but the color commentary. Oh, and, and that and that was back, and that's like back in the '90s, back in the '70s, '80s, and everything else. Major League, Major League. Now, granted, it was a bigger sport back then, all things being considered. But the reason why it was a big sport is because it had that national attention and that exposure. It had that they had the ad exposure. Being on, you know, it had the exposure of being on network national television, you know, once a week, showcasing the best teams and the best players to the country. On net, that was network television. See, that was on CBS for a little bit. But ABC and ABC, at, you know, they still are now, but big-time television networks. 
You know, the big three, CBS, NBC, and ABC back in the day. There was no Fox until, you know, until around, you know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. But, you know, 60s, 70s, and early part of 80s, three three major networks. You didn't, you didn't find games, you know, you didn't find the, you know, the the uh, the NLCS in nineteen you know in nineteen eighty eight you know between the Giants and the Dodgers I'm just making it up for you know I'm just giving you like you didn't you didn't find an NLCS or an ALCS matchup marquee playoff matchup on you know on TBS you know you didn't see it on TBS you didn't. You know, if you were in a hotel room or in a bar, you could easily find it. You know, pop pop on ABC, pop on NBC, it's right there, right in front of you. Now you get now you gotta look for the games. Not every hotel room, whether it's whether it's a nice whether it's a nice holiday inn suite or a little, you know, or it's a little motel. Not many TVs, if at all, have TBS on their little on their little uh, hotel TV uh, guide, and and not every and not every bar has has it either. And if they do have it, they gotta you know they gotta go through heaven and earth to to find it on the dopey guide. And Major League Baseball having. You know, putting. I mean, they just signed a, another billion-dollar contract last week, week before last, with TBS to continue the rights broadcast in the postseason. You can't do that. You can't. If Major League Baseball wants to get back to the glory days of being big, bad Major League Baseball again, all that they gotta, they gotta put themselves out there. You know, A B outside. Once the NBA Finals are over, ABC has. I mean, let's call it like we see it. A- ABC outside of Little League World Series has, and that's about that's what like a two three week tournament. They have zero summer programming once the NBA Finals are over. That's it. Nothing. Steve Harvey Family Feud and and uh, Strahan with his hundred thousand dollar pyramid. That's it. They got no summer and not, not stole the coronavirus out the window. If it was a regular summer, they got nothing on. Nothing in the summer. NBC, same deal. NBC wants, you know, Chicago PD is not on tele. Uh, SVU, no. no. They, they got nothing. Same thing with them. Outside, outside of, you know, horse races, you know, on, you know, on that, you know, on those Saturdays, you know, in the, in the months that they have them, outside of the horse racing, and what, but once the NBA, what, not the NBA, once the NHL Stanley Cup uh, Finals is over, they got nothing to show you on TV either during the summertime. I know, I know they got a little lacrosse, you know, contract with the National Lacrosse League, but, but I mean, lacrosse, lacrosse is is an even bigger of a niche sport than hockey is. Okay, the 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 the, the states you find people that care about lacrosse is, is like a handful of them, Massachusetts, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts, Maryland, and North Carolina. That's it. No one, no one, no Tampa. You're not gonna find you know big big time lacrosse fans. You know, uh, bouncing around Tampa, Florida. 
or in New Orleans or 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 in, in Dallas, Texas. You're not you're not gonna find it. It's a niche sport. Only it only matters to a couple of states. That's it. Maryland, Massachusetts, uh, Maryland, Massachusetts, and North Carolina. There's only, there's only a handful of D1 colleges that that give that that give that sport the time of day. Duke, North Carolina, Maryland, Johns Hopkins, Loyola. That's it. But ABC has nothing to show you with sometimes either. CBS they got the golf, but but you know, they can throw in a baseball game in there every now and again. Outside of golf and a couple of preseason games in late August, they CBS doesn't have much summer programming either. So I mean, and and, and I don't know, I don't know the specifics, but I mean, can Major League Baseball? I mean, some the some of the people that work for CBS for TBS. Also have like a joint contract with uh, with CBS because they're either employed by both networks or they in theory work for CBS. Like Brian Anderson, prime, perfect example. He isn't directly employed by CBS. He's employed by Turner Sports, but but he but you know but he does games broadcasted on CBS. You know that are on the NCAA tournament. Now, you know, for the NCAA tournament, you'll have games that are broadcasted on the Turner networks, but you know, but the but but the talent is employed by CBS. So you know, you, you know, a, fi- a Final Four game will be aired on TBS, but we but everyone sitting there that watched the game knows that Tracy Tracy Wolfson, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, and Grant Hill aren't employed by Turner Sports; they're employed by CBS. Because they have like a joint deal, because they because they because both parties, you know, the TB the Turner Sports crew and the CBS crew, kind of like merged merged together to broadcast the NCAA tournament. That they're like under that umbrella. So I I don't know, but they but if baseball wants to be, they have to get rid of the TBS. They have to. And if they don't want to get rid of it, they gotta find a way to get with ESPN, like the NBA, like the NBA does, and have a joint deal with ESPN. Now, Grant ABC isn't its own entity anymore. It's you know, it's AB, it's ESPN on ABC. The games are broadcasted on ABC, but the talent, but the on-air talent and the production crew is ESPN. You know, because ABC and ESPN is underneath that. That Walt Disney umbrella, but even if you want to keep it with CBS, you know because the NBA still has a NBA has a deal with TNT, baseball has a deal with TBS. If they want to keep it, fine, but do it the NBA. I mean, if the if it's good for the NBA, it can work for baseball. You know the the NBA they got just as many. You know they got the NBA they got the Saturday night primetime games. You know. Uh, from like the Saturday after the, you know, from like the Saturday after the Super Bowl to the end of the season, got the Saturday primetime games, you know, on on ABC. They got the Sunday showcase afternoon game, the the three thirty games. Those are on ABC, and they got all NBA Finals games exclusively broadcasted on ABC. 
not to mention a few select playoff. You know, they got and they also got playoff games mixed in on ABC here and there. And I, I don't see why baseball can't do the same thing. You know, dur- during the summertime, there's nothing on television. Put put in they have and they still have the quote unquote Monday night baseball, but the Sunday night baseball it has become bigger than the quote unquote Monday night. Which is ironically the same thing in football, but you know if you're if you're ESPN, you know cut your games and you know cut it in half. Half of it, you know, like in the month, you know, from in September, the month of September, you have all of your Sunday night games with Vascursion with Matt Va- with Matt Vascursion and A Rod. You put the games on ESPN. But for, you know, and and you know, and when the NBA fi- and when it's the night of the NBA Finals, you you know you you pick and choose your spots. You know, you obviously when, you know, so you put like an NBA Finals game on ABC and got a, you know, so you pick your spots and you put the Sunday night baseball game on ESPN. But outside of the NBA Finals and of course September, because you don't want to get uh, beat by a Sunday night ba- or Sunday night football, I guess you would. You know, radio. Two companies competing against you, so maybe you would do that, but do but do what the NBA does. Find a couple of nights, put the games exclusively on ABC, and compete with Fox, so you can rotate the rights to broadcast the World Series. Fox does it on even years, and ABC, produced by ESPN, does it does it on odd years. You know, I mean, you give, give yourself something. I mean, that, that's why, I mean, and I know ESPN and, ESPN and ABC would, lo- would love it because it helps with, with, the, uh, with, the, uh, with the advertisers and plus they would, they would love the ratings. That's why, you know, when the, uh, when the TV contract's up, there's no talk of the NFL, you know, jumping to other networks. But you could imagine, you know, that I don't. There's not any talks at ESPN, you know, that the NFL would move Monday Night Football off of ESPN. But but I would think, and this is just hearsay, you know, rumor from the fans with everything else. But but you could see the NFL getting with getting with ESPN and saying, look, we'll give you better Monday Night games, but this is what you have to do. You have to essentially, like we do with Thursday Night Football. Cut your schedule in half and have this amount of games. You put them on ABC, and this amount of games you can keep. You can keep them solely on ESPN. You know, because Monday Night Football was Monday Night Football when it was on ABC. So you know, so so the old time fan would that goes back to the that goes back to that Jets Browns game in, in September nineteen seventy, they'd get a kick out of that, you know. It's they, they, they did something you know, they brought back the old they brought back the classic uh, Johnny Pearson dun, 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 boom, 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 from nineteen they brought back the classic thing from nineteen seventy four. You can't now granted you can't dig up uh you can't dig up uh, Don Meredith Frank Gifford and uh, Howard Cosell out the grave, so you know they're going to have to find some, you know, some broadcasters to get their hands on. But if you, but if you're the NFL, and I hate to get off the beaten path, you put the get, you put a, you put a decent amount of games back on ABC. You get that classic heavy action theme going, plus a little Hank Williams Jr. All my Roddy friends are here on Monday night, and you kind and you counter and you kind of you know, go back to the past and you kind of go back to that fountain of youth and get that Monday Night Football was Monday Night Football back. 
And honestly, if you're major baseball, you can't do the same thing. Do what the NBA does. But, you know, and 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 I grant the NBA pays ESPN a fortune. But if you're MLB, how about you spend less worrying about Turner and worry about the, you know, worrying about the quote-unquote worldwide leader in sports? Whatever ESPN wants, you give it to them and you say, hey, do you you all figure it out. Get yourself some Sunday night baseball games solely on ESPN and get yourself some games, you know, th- put ABC into the mix. So we don't have, you know, so, so Joe Buck essentially doesn't have to, you know, you know, go crazy doing doing football games on top of on top of baseball playoff games, and then leaving the football to solely do the World Series, and then coming right back and doing the football for a couple of weeks. And oh, by the way, throwing Thursday night football, and oh, by the way, throwing Thanksgiving, and he and he's running, you know, he's running himself stir crazy. Now I'm sure Buck would love doing that now because you know because the world shut down because of the virus, but in a regular year. I know Buck loves his jump, but I mean, I think he would appreciate it if every other year, you know, they gave him a break where, you know, where come the World Series, he can, you know, get back, he can get back into the ebb and flow with, with Aikman and Andrews and, you know, and not basically hustle cross country to do World Series games and and uh, and uh, football games. Like I think, if I can't, if I remember correctly, he did a he did a base he did a um, he did the World Series in Houston. I forget what game it was. He did a World Series game. It might have been either game. I want to say game five. It might have no one five. I think it was either two three. Th- um, it was in deep, so it had been that he he did game two in Houston, went to Minneapolis. Now he he doesn't do the Sunday night. He doesn't do the Sunday afternoon games with uh, with Aikman during the World Series. But because it's like a Fox thing, they like they so they make Buck do the Thursday night. He doesn't have to do the Sunday during the World Series, but. I think he did game two in Houston, flew to Minnesota for the Redskins and and Vikings, and then on a Thursday night it was in you know it was a travel day for Major League Baseball. Buck worked on that off day during the World Series, and then I and then I'm being facetious, but hopped on a flight with the Redskins to go to D.C. to you know to resume the World Series with the Astros and the Nationals. But you know, get yourself if Major League Baseball, you gotta get yourself out there. Put put some Sunday night games on ABC, and see if you can get just use ABC to get yourself in a rotation to broadcast World Series. Even year Fox does it, odd years you guys do it. You know, and, and there's no weekly primetime showcase game to put on national to put on network television. I get an MLB network, but that's but they own that. That's their separate entity. You know, Fox is nice, but it's on but it's on the weekend. And, and they got games, and they and they have like a slate of games that's localized to the regional audiences, like you like you have a la NFL Sunday afternoon games. So, so you know, so if you get so if it's Redskins, not Redskins, so if it's Nationals and Phillies, the only people that are going to see that game are the people that live in the DMV 
and and around the Phil and and around the area of Philadelphia. I'm talking about one game can see in nationwide coast to coast that's on network television. A la Sunday Night Football, Sunday Showcase Basketball on ABC, NHL Wednesday Game of the Week. You got to find something. And they don't promote themselves well. You know, it may, you don't see Major League Baseball going out their way, you know, coughing up the extra money, whatever, it, whatever they got to do to promote their stars even when it isn't baseball season. You, you'll see you'll see football advertisements from from July to February. And and even April and May during and even during April and May when it comes to the draft. Basketball same thing. Steph Curry, LeBron, you get, you get that. They they don't promote their stars well. And I and I know the excuse. Well, the best player in the sport plays on the West Coast. Well, we, we see that excuse. Now, granted, LeBron was Le, LeBron was LeBron prior to him going to the Lakers, but the NBA is in the same boat. But the 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 NBA's best player and the most polarizing player also plays in the city of L.A. What you don't think the so so the NBA does what they got to do to a get LeBron on TV and b get him that national exposure with with the advertising and the commercials and everything else. And also, I just feel like that the baseball player, I don't know what it is, but it's like they don't wanna they don't wanna like quote unquote stick their neck out for baseball. Which goes back to the disagreements in the players' association and the players that's been happening for the last whatever it might be, but still, you realize if you if you help your if you stick your neck out for your employer, your employer will stick his stick your neck out for you in return. But they don't promote their stars well. You rarely see, you know, see baseball players in big time commercials. You rarely see, you rarely see, uh, you know, you rarely see MLB commercials on television, few and far in between. And if you don't promote your own brand, who else will? Who else will? I mean, I mean, for a perfect example, the NFL had their hundredth season in the, in 2019, and they literally did nothing but. NFL 100 from the 2019 draft in Nashville to when Patrick Mahomes hoisted up the Lombardi Trophy at Super Bowl 54. It was NFL 100 everywhere you looked. Hey, I got I'm I'm sitting here looking on my desk. I got the NFL 100 um game I got the NFL 100 game ball sitting on my desk. I got I got an NFL 100 lapel pin. I got the NFL 100 um the 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 book with the gold football on the cover with the Ford by Peyton Manning, you know, and everywhere you look, it was NFL 100. And you watch NFL Network, NFL 100, greatest game changers, greatest coaches, greatest plays, greatest games, greatest players, you know, it was it was NFL 100 everywhere you looked. They got celebrity, they got celebrities in the mix. We you know when when they came for the interview, you got celebrities in the mix. You had. Um, you had my man Christopher Mad Dog Russo. You had Keegan Michael Key. You had um, 
Uh, give me another one. Uh, I can't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But you had. You had. Uh, you had. You had the Bon Jovi. You had. You had celebrities and people involved. It was NFL 100. This NFL 100. That. Now partly because they also got themselves a head start because, you know, w- with the NFL 100 commercial that they had, you know, during Super Bowl uh, 53. That, that the most exciting thing and the most intriguing thing of that Super Bowl was that commercial. <laughs> Only the NFL can can outdo themselves. The, the, the NFL 100 commercial that they had was better than the game, which was an absolute snooze fest, like we've already discussed. But you know, it was that everywhere you looked, it was NFL 100. You know, on on NBC at at the beginning of the Sunday night broadcast, it was like like NBC Sports welcomes you to the following presentation of the National Football League celebrating 100 seasons. You know, and Monday, Monday Night Football, it was, it gave you the theme, and it's like ESPN welcomes you to the following presentation of the National Football NFL 100, you know, and because it was NFL 100, and, and of course, hand in hand, it was the 50th season of Monday Night Football, you had all the NFL legends before Hank Williams, are you ready for some football? I mean, it was everywhere you looked. It was NFL 100, NFL 100 on the on the on the uniform, NFL 100 on on the on the merchandise. You know, it was NFL 100 on the field, NFL 100 on referee. You, you couldn't, if you were a football fan, you could not avoid that NFL 100 logo. The NFL went. Now, I'm not complaining. They have that, but that's what you're supposed to do it, when it's a, when it's a big time anniversary, such as the hundredth anniversary season of your league of your sport you're supposed to go over the top and and be and be exuberant with it that's what the nfl did to the point you know every single time we turn around it was nfl 100 this nfl 100 that you couldn't avoid you couldn't avoid the logo you couldn't avoid talking about it you know during the games they you know during the games back the nfl 100 let's take a look look back at this classic play or this classic game or this that and the other you know the NFL. They they had they had that uh, they had that all time list with Collinsworth, Eisen, and Belichick. You know the great the greatest coaches in the history of the game, the greatest offensive and defensive linemen, the greatest linebackers, the greatest defensive backs, the greatest wide receivers, the greatest tight ends, the greatest running backs, the greatest quarterbacks, the greatest offensive line. They everything. Special teamers. They way they went so over. It was ridiculous. I mean, if you watch if you watch NFL Network on the on the uh, you know when they all on their talent would have the little cards in their hand with with their notes whatever and then say NFL Network on the back of the card said NFL 100. It was NFL 100 all over the place. You you couldn't avoid it. So if you don't promote your brand and toot your own horn, especially with when you've reached that big of an accomplishment, who will? You, I mean, if you were a football fan, you couldn't avoid it. Everywhere you look, NFL 100 this, NFL 100 that. You couldn't, excuse me, you couldn't avoid it. Baseball celebrated 150 years their 2019 season. And outside of a little, you know, one-inch little patch on the side of the jersey, it, was, it wasn't even brought up. Wasn't brought up, wasn't promoted, wasn't anything. I I mean, if if you I mean if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it. You know, NFL they had NFL 100 on the you know on the ball. Baseball, MLB 150 wasn't wasn't on the ball. It was barely on the jersey. You know, 
It wasn't painted on the field. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you didn't see MLB 150 really being advertised on the umpire uniform. You know, you didn't see greatest moments in the history, you know, MLB 150, greatest games, greatest moments, greatest, greatest plays, greatest players, greatest game changers. You didn't see none of that. It, it was like, oh, MLB, 150 years old. Okay, keep going. He, and that, and out of all the four major sports, Major League Baseball is the oldest one. NBA hasn't reached 100 yet. Hockey did a couple of years ago, and football did the same year MLB did 150. But MLB never did nothing. Didn't promote it. Didn't do anything special to celebrate it at the Hall of Fame, at the World Series. Nothing. Uh, not at the All Star Game, they they treated like it was it was like it was another average year. For the hundred and fiftieth anniversary season of the sport of the league, they did nothing, nothing, to promote it, or to or to advertise it, outside of putting a little, you know, one, one by three inch uh, little side patch on the bottom of their jersey sleeve. Which doesn't count for anything. They they didn't have they didn't give out a book, you know. They didn't have they didn't give out a nice little book of the history of the sport, you know, going through the 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 uh, the, the nineteen ten, you know, the nineteen hundreds, nineteen tens, you know, it, like like the NFL one hundred book did, go through every little decade. It didn't do any of that. And baseball, it w- I would have eaten it all up because it would have been so much to learn from shoeless Joe Jackson. To you know, to uh, to Manny Machado, you ain't it all in Babe Ruth and in a Yankee dynasty in the '90s and the Big Red Machine and the and and the Orioles back in the uh, late '60s through the early '80s. I would have eaten that up, but but they didn't. But they but you didn't you didn't hear me bring that up. I didn't get anything of that because because they didn't feel like it was important, which, which is a major problem. Take a break. I'm going to touch on the game itself. What's wrong with Major League Baseball within the game? The nine innings, the game itself. I'll get to that right after this. go today the king of pop passed away so rest in peace to the great michael jackson this is we welcome you back to everything wrong with major league baseball um here's another thing that's wrong with major league baseball and it's very very simple it's the game itself the game 
takes way, 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 way too long. The average time, you want to know what the average time is for, for a baseball game in 2019? This is via baseball reference. Average time for a baseball game, nine innings, 3.05. The average time for a game, not necessarily nine innings, was three hours and 10 minutes. You know what it was in 2010, 10 years ago? Two hours and 54 games was the average time for a baseball game 10 years ago. Want to know what it was in 2000? It was up a little bit. It was 301. But the one, 1990, okay? This is prior to the 94 strike. Two hours and 51 minutes. 1980, in and out, two hours and 38 minutes. 1970, two hours and 34 minutes. 1960, 238, and 19, let's give you something from way back in the day, 1940, two hours and seven minutes. The game takes way too long, which goes back to my point when people, when I told you that people tell me that they don't like Watching it on TV because there's because the game is so slow paced and it's just way too long. It's way, it's just way, 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 way too long. Okay, players are taking forever to get in the batter's box, they're stepping out after every pitch to readjust their batting gloves nine million times. The pitcher takes 20 years to basically walk in a circle. You know, in between in between pitches, in between batters, to you know, the rub up the baseball with a rosin bag, you know, pat dirt on themselves, wipe the sweat off their brow, put the hat back on, fix their hair, you know, you know, wipe the sweat from you know if it's hot outside, wipe the sweat from within the uh, you know the little rubber protection thing inside the batting helmet. If it's raining, they gotta wipe the the uh, the barrel of the bat uh, dry from the water with the with the inside of their jersey. You know they gotta they got to you know they do little calisthenics and their stretches when they're you know when they're outside the batter's box. They look to the third base coach you know for for the signs. And if you know if the pitcher and the catcher, God forbid, they don't have you know they don't have the signs right, we gotta take ninety million trips to the mound for mound visits. Pitch just pitcher and uh, catcher alone. God forbid if the if the seventy seven year old pitch coach strolls his way out to the mound, you know takes takes twenty five seconds seconds to stroll out to the mound, stays out there and chats for two minutes. You know, and then when the meeting breaks up, he takes forty seconds to walk back into the dugout for play to for play to resume. The game takes weight. It's a it's a it's not necessarily the game itself as far as the nine innings, the three outs, and all that sort of stuff. It's the little intricacies that's that's during the game is what is what takes the game to last forever. The, the 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 mount you know the mound changes you know after you know after the sixth inning after the pitch is thrown is ninety second pitch 
We gotta play. We gotta do the matchup crap. Righty versus righty, lefty versus lefty. This pitcher, you know, this pitcher has this batter to hit 125 off against them. You know, in the seventh inning or later, with two run, with a runner on first and second and one out, when it's 72 degrees outside and partly sunny, and the you know, and the wind's blowing to the southwest. It, the game just takes way, way, way too long. It's it's too long, and especially if you're watching it at home, and you know, and you could either be doing other things with the game going on in the background, or in this age of social media and technology, you can be browsing and going through that, texting, talking on the phone, whatever the case might be. It's easy for you to get sidetracked because this top because stoppage and play is so frequent and it's so long. It's 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 ridiculous. The, the the only the only time you have that problem in basketball is with is within it's it's if the game's close and it's within the last you know ninety seconds of the game is when is when basketball takes forever because you know nine million timeouts, fouling, free throws, you know the only time in basketball where the game gets slow is if the game's tight and close towards the end, and we get nonstop timeout, foul, free throw. That that's the you know when it's ninety seconds left on the clock and in real time the ending of the you know a, a, in real time the ending of a game takes twenty minutes, I the, but basketball that's the only time other than that it's it's pretty it's even paced back and forth back and forth hockey same thing even though hockey's not that big in America as baseball is but still it's back and you know it's back and forth back and forth nonstop action, football. It you know there's stoppages in play after every play, but because football is such a huge game that you know that people don't even really notice or care about you know the uh, you know the the ten to fifteen second stoppage in play after every down incompletion. It's like you know it's 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 about you know fifteen twenty five seconds. And the, and it's not like that the time where there's dead time in football is being wasted. You know, if there's the, it's either an injury, a timeout, or a team or a team is in a huddle. You know, it's not like that. You know, we have to take time. So, you know, so the pitcher on the mound, you know, swipes, you know, uh, wipes off this uh, bead of sweat. That's you know that's that's uh, that's you know that's falling near you know that's falling near his uh near, you know on his temple, or 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 the uh, or the batter up at the plate. You know his his gloves are too tight, so he has to like readjust them nine thousand times and pull them up and flex his fingers and make sure he gets a nice fit. I mean, with football, if they're stoppage in play, it's injury, timeout, or teams in a huddle, or 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 it's replay. Now, granted, the replays take too long in football too, but you know if if the game's good, you'll sit th- you'll sit through a three hour football game. You know. Some a lot sometimes that these baseball games that go nine innings, that are like you know that where the final score is like seven to two, it ain't worth it to sit through three hours, and in in fifteen minutes of it, with with the with with these you know with with stoppages in play every five seconds. The the, the games the games take way too long, way too long, and then the thing that makes it worse that they add replay. Which which is good, you know, when time and place, but you know, in certain areas, do we really need replay to stall up the games? I mean, the games take forever take forever to to complete already, and then on top of the fact, you gotta add a replay. 
and the game's too analytical driven. People people do not want math lessons. People do not want physics or people don't want physics or algebra lessons when they're trying to watch a baseball game. People people don't want to be taught and don't want to have to sit through a math lesson when they watch baseball with the analytics and the launch angle and the exit velocity and the and the spin rate and then these little intricacy and these little weird intricacies and these you know these weird these weird inane stats and all this other stuff. people people don't want to sit sit through a lesson when they're trying to watch a baseball when they're trying to watch a sporting event I'm sorry they don't you know the the, the thirty one year old the thirty one year old with the comb over hairstyle. With you know, with uh, with the Dartmouth or the UCLA or, or the Cornell pullover, with the with the baggy khaki shorts and the Sperry's, you know, drinking the Starbucks, riding in on the Schwinn bike to the stadium, you know, the assistant GM that's making you know twenty five grand a year, you know, telling Aaron, you know, telling Aaron Boone, uh, Dave Roberts. Or or Brandon Hyde, you know what pitcher to put in at the top of the seventh inning to get out, you know, to get out a uh, to get out a, a right-handed hitter that's that's hitting two fifty, that's hitting two fifty-six. I mean, pe- people don't people do not want that when they're watching sports. Too much analytics, too much math involved, and even and even if it is, even if it is, and even if it does help the teams, why why do you think the fan cares about that? That, that that's that's boring. It's, it's news for us. Waste my time. I'm I'm better off pick, picking up an algebra book. Now I know you can't like necessarily erase analytics from the sport, but there's like a certain time and a place like you can't sit up here and serve the fans that and expect the fans and expect the average fan to be interested in that. Okay, the average fan does not give a crap about the launch angle of the the exact launch launch angle of how Mike of where Mike Trout hits the ball or how fast it moves off the bat that that's something you know you that's something that you can use for for documentaries and little sports science things on ESPN when we're, when we're watching a ball game we're interested on if there's a runner on second base with two outs and and it's a and it's a three and it's a 3-2 game at the, in the in the bottom of the 7th inning here's what we care about the batter Getting on base, and if he and if he can't driving in that runner from second base, the only major stats that the, that the, that the average baseball fan cares about with with the position player is RBIs, stolen bases, hits, home runs, batting average, slugging percentage, and on base percentage. That's it. We don't give a crap about WAR, none of that nonsense, and and how he hits the runners in scoring position. That's all we care about. You don't want to be taught a math lesson when we're in the middle of watching a ball game. Okay, there's a time and a place for that. Okay, I'm not I'm not interested in how he hits the ball. I'm interested, or here let me rephrase that. I'm not interested in the technicalities and the science of him hitting the ball. I'm interested in him actually doing it. Don't tell me how the sausage is made. Just call me when it's on the bun with the mustard on it. Okay, I, I, if I'm interested in that, I'll let you know. But in, when we're trying to watch a game, I'm not interested in the launch angle and the exit philosophy and all that other nonsense. I'm not interested when I'm trying to watch the game. And I'm not interested in 
and teams using that as an as as a sort of a uh, a uh, a block of evaluation when it, you know when it comes to making their high school varsity baseball team. What's his launch angle like, or how fast does the bat come off? Come off? How fast does the ball come off the bat? Who gives a Who gives a damn? Here's what I care about: if he if he can produce, get hits, and drive in runs, that's what I care about. The throw throw all throw all that that geeky nerdy crap out the window. When I'm watching it, I'm not interested. And if I'm trying to put together a decent baseball team, I don't need the war. I don't need that launch angle nonsense. Here's what I care about: what you do on the field with with my own eyes, me watching you, you playing. I want to see you perform. That's what I want. You pass the eye test is what matters. And the pitchers are too fragile; they don't go deep in the games like they used to because of the bullpen. But they don't go deep in the games because these you know because these organizations you know they they pay these guys big money thirty. You know, they pay these guys 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 million dollars a year. But heaven forbid we let, you know, we, we let such and such, you know, uh, go, go, you know, pitch into the eighth inning when he's, you know, when he's got a five nothing lead and, and his pitch count is a hundred and is a hundred and twenty. God, come on. Back, you know, back, back when Koufax Back when Koufax, Dave McNally, Steve Stone, Jim Palmer, Bob Gibson pitched, the 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 Burt Burt Blylevin, uh, Whitey Ford. You want me to keep? I keep I keep giving you uh, Doc Gooden. Do you, do you think do you think the team or the or the or the fan that rooted for those teams gave a crap about how many pitches he he was throwing? If he says he feels fine, and if he doesn't feel like his arm's about to fall off, send him out there. Throw that pitch count crap out the window, okay? If he's thrown 110 pitches and he feels and he feels as fresh as a horse heading into the eighth inning as he did heading into the third, that's all I need to know. Throw that health and that coddling crap out the window. Because then, because another thing that baseball has against them is that it has the perception of it being a, you know, a, a quote-unquote a soft sport. You know, you got to monitor the pitch count. You can only throw this much on this day. It's it's not it's not you it's not you go out there and you play until you drop. Like like all the other sports, it's it's not it's it's you know the, the, the you know it's it's more coddling and and keeping track of your every movement more than all the other sports are. And the Patriots are fragile; they don't go deep in games. You know they they sign these you know they sign these players. But if they're white, they put you know they live in in warm climates. You know, if they're Hispanic, you know they get them from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Venezuela. You know they they you know they they basically they sign the ball player you know that plays in the in the in the warm weather climate. You know nine to ten you know nine months out of the year, they're playing in in weather where it's sixty where it's sixty five degrees or warmer. So they're playing baseball nonstop, and you know and some of them have you know have these wacky. 
you know, have these wacky um, perfectionist parents that say, hey, well, my kid's good at something, and they'll basically take advantage of their kid's craft, and they'll work them night and day to make sure that they become a major league ball player or, or professional basketball basketball player, and they go out there and they work them half to death. So by the time that they get drafted in the first round of the, of the MLB draft and they're 20 years old, their their el- their elbow with all the stress that they've put their elbow under for throwing for throwing so much in games and practices and everything else there are they have they ha- they're 20 years old and they have the and they have an arm of a of a 17 year 40 year old veteran and and then they come, and then they get drafted they set the world on fire and they squeeze every drop they, you know, they, you know, they're, they're like an orange, and they squeeze every drop out, out of, out of their basically, uh, young phenom arm that can throw 101 miles, miles an hour with no problem, and they, you know, and within the first five years of their career, you know, they throw a pitch and they hear a popping noise and an arm goes numb and they need Tommy John surgery. So the so the pitch the pit the the starting pitcher is too fragile and they don't go deep in the games. They do they do nothing but th- they do nothing but throw. They get drafted now they have to throw because they're getting paid to do it. It's their occupation. And then they set the world on fire when when they're a rookie and they get called up and then within the first five years they throw a pitch. And they, you know, the ball reaches from their hand, and they hear a popping noise. And the next thing you know, they're grabbing the elbow, you know, screaming, raging, in pain. And the next thing you know, they need they need Tommy John surgery. But you know, the game itself, it's uh, it, it, the game itself. What goes in between the white lines is what's killing baseball. It it really is. Take a break. One last theme right after this. That album came out on this day, 1984. We come back to everything wrong with Major League Baseball. Last element of the sport and of the program that I'm getting to of why Major League Baseball has the issues that they have today. And I'm going to cut right to the chase. And if you think I'm you know, politically incorrect, I could, I could care less. The fact of the matter of it is Major League Baseball, part of, among the many other things that I've discussed early in the program, one of the reasons, one of the other many reasons why Major League Baseball is suffering 
is because the lack of the African American black athlete. All the other sports that are big time in America, what do they have in common? The black athlete is the is the is represented the most in sports. But college basketball and and the NBA, it's NBA. It's the black athlete, and then it's the and then it's the white European athlete. So baseball, baseball and uh, basketball, it's reverse. They got baseball has quote unquote brown slash black players in it. But they're not the African American grew up in a grew up in America first first uh, language is English type of that those those are the Latino ones the the Latino athlete that grew up in Puerto Rico Dominican Republic you know in in Mexico and in you know part of Latin America but they're black and you know with their skin tone because. Because, you know, because if you go down their family history and their family, you know, through family origin, that they have African and, and melanin in their skin. But, but, you know, but you all know what I'm trying to say. Compared to the, you know, compared to the regular black Americans such as yours truly, you know, born and raised in America, first English and probably only English, or first language and only language is, is the English language. Um, you know, and they and they and they have that and they have that American hip hop black American culture with them that some of the Latino players that are brown skin and or if you were Sammy Sosa that are, you know, black as far as skin tone is concerned, that they don't have. So, you know, it's this you know, NBA it's majority black and then you have the European white people not not the and the the American the American born white male is uh you know it's 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 a minority in the NBA in the NBA you have white Europeans that they you know they get from Europe and then you have the and then you have the big time and then you have the big time black athlete baseball it, baseball you got the white American athlete you got the white uh European American athlete and then you have the black slash brown Latino players that they get from outside of this country, and then you and then you factor in the Asian aspect where they get the players from Taiwan, Korea, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, and everywhere else, and then you have you know the Mookie Betts's and CC Sabathias of the world, you know the the African American black athlete. But it's a dying breed. I mean, back back in back in the early '80s, I can give you I can give you the exact year. Back in 1981, highest percentage of black players that were in Major League Baseball were nearly at 20 percent. To be specific, 18.7 percent. the The '81 All Star Game had a total of 63 players on both sides, and 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 14 of those players were black. That's 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 22 percent. So and 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 since that, the percentage of the black all-star baseball player has decreased from twenty-two percent, then less than five. Think about that for a minute. And it's not like that the black baseball player has never existed since Jackie Robinson. There've been plenty of them, from Bob Gibson 
from Bob Gibson to Willie Mays to Hank Aaron to Reggie Jackson to Frank Robinson to um, uh, you give you uh, uh, what's in, what's another one on the top of my head? Uh, Ricky Henderson, if you want to go with the eighties. Um, I mean, I could get uh, Fred McGriff. He was he was a good he was a good player. Um, and I can get I can give you um, God. I give you Albert Bell. I can give you. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on. So the, the the black baseball player and the black dominant baseball player that comes into the league and wreaks havoc has always been there. Daryl Strawberry. Um, if you want to go a pitcher, I give you Doc Gooden. So, I mean, they've been there, but I don't know what it is, but. It's but it's it's like part of the reason. Granted, it's because like Derek Jeter brought up a couple of years ago, the process is longer to get to the major leagues than it is for basketball and football, which which is a fair argument to which is a fair point because when you play basketball and football, it's instant gratification as far as making it to the top level. Compared to baseball, you have to be patient. And you know, and the black athlete necessarily, especially if they come from humble beginnings, they don't want to, you know, ride. You know, they don't want to ride those buses going back and forth to games, and you know, and and not getting and not being essentially treated like a like a first class uh, citizen, especially if 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 the black athlete comes from humble beginnings. But he, but even if they don't, they don't want to have to basically fart around with rookie ball, low A ball, high A ball, double A, triple. And it's it's a it's a long process, and you got to be mentally tough, and you got to basically have a good patience and learn how to be patient, and, and and eventually know that your time will eventually come. But so part so instant gratification is part of it, but the other part of it is that. For whatever the reason, it's just that they're they're not they're not and outside the instant gratification aspect, I really can't explain why. I mean, Adam Jones when he played with my Orioles came out and directly said it's a white man's sport. Which I mean, according I mean, if you want to go by statistical records, it can, I mean it kind of is. I mean the 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 only people of color that play in Major League Baseball. Not most nine times out of ten, not then they weren't born in America. They they came in, they were born and grew up and lived overseas, and got called over to the states to play ball. So I mean, and considering that the majority of the major league baseball's front offices and the ownership are white, so they I guess to sit there like hey screw, you know the back at screw these guys. We'll go out there and we'll send our scouts to, you know, we'll send our scouts to Asia and we'll send them to Latin America. And, you know, and, you know, and then they think, well, their lives are terrible living in those communist economies. What we'll do is we'll basically give them a boatload of money to begin with, though, though them and their family will go crazy. They'll, you know, they'll get themselves out of destitute situations and we'll come and bring them over here for America. You know, we'll 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 pay them, we'll pay them, which would which most of the time doesn't hurt our pocket financially as a baseball club, but we'll go out there and and we'll pay them decent money to the point where they'll have no choice but to sign and come over here. 
but 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 the black athlete has disappeared. You know, and and it's no coincidence why the NBA and the NA and the NFL, both college and both and and the college alternates of those sports. There's no secret why though why those sports those two sports are booming and baseball has been stuck in the muck. It, it's it's no coincidence. Same same now in hockey same thing. Partially because, partially because it goes up against the basketball, and you know, and of course you're going to sell the sport of basketball easier than you to a black, you know, to the you know to the black American than you would say hockey, but you know, hockey is majority white, uh, baseball is majority white, and NASCAR is majority white. What the and all three of those sports. Really, when it comes to competing with basketball and football on a, as far as a national level of attention is concerned, they don't they don't come close. What do they all have in common? The majority of the participators in their sports are white. Same thing goes in golf, and same thing goes in tennis. Tennis, I know they have tennis. I know they have Coco Golf and 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 Sloane Stevens and and the Williams sisters, but you know, Coco Golf is only sixteen years of age. Sloane Stevens isn't isn't on that superstar level, and the Williams sisters, who've who've essentially been playing tennis for the better part on the pro level for the better part of the last twenty five years, you know, Venus, I think, turned. Got, can't went turned into her you know her birthday came into her 40s a couple weeks ago and it's not and and father time is, is going to come knocking on Serena's door any any minute with her same same thing with same thing with golf and tiger and you know he he ain't going to be playing too much long on the on the on the pro circuit as well It's it's a major problem, you know when 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 the black athlete is involved, and and you know and you know you can look up on TV and you and you can and you can you know see you know in basketball there's ten guys on the court and and eight and eight of the ten are on the court both sides are black, you know it's it's going it's going to it's going to, the the black audience is going to gravitate towards that, you know the NFL we the running back the wide receiver. You know the defensive tackle, the second, you know the guy in the secondary, the inside linebacker, the wide receiver, and even as of late, the quarterback position. They they see that you know they see that those guys look look like you know they the black community sees those guys look like them. They're gonna gravitate towards that. So the lack of the black athlete is a major major problem in in baseball. And I don't think it gets I don't think it gets that much attention. It gets that much uh, coverage, and doesn't have get that much coverage enough. Because because when you, because let let's be honest, when you don't have that when you don't have that black athlete, you don't have that black dollar. Let, let let's be let's be fair and let's call it like we see it. They you know, your your bit your business can have the tendency to scuffle. I mean, my father tells me all the time that that the black consumer is one of the many backbones that that holds up the the American economic system, and he's right. 
You know, if you if you, if if your business, whatever, whatever business it is, if you got that, if you got that black dollar, and if and if your black brethren continues to support you, you know, finance, you know, support you financially by spending his money and and you know, giving you giving you their money, uh, you you're gonna be in good shape. And nine times out of ten, the black family isn't doing it because they don't. Because when they turn on a baseball game, they don't see the African American black player that looks like them playing the sport. I mean, you, you can. You, I mean, you can count on your hands the true African American black man that's playing Major League Baseball. You can count them on your hands. Count them on your hands. And part of the other problem is is that, and I've seen it with my own eyes. Is that these is that they've made it harder for the black athlete to essentially get started up in baseball? You know, charge they charge you an arm and a leg, you know, to be a part of the travel teams. They charge you an arm and a leg for you to be, you know, for you to, you know, they got the their own little their own little frat, their own little uh, fraternity, their own little boys club. You know they charge you an arm and a leg with with the fees and everything else to be a part of uh, to be a part of their own little private baseball travel team, and knowing knowing good and full well that that you know the average black family can't can't you know can't afford it. The average, not all, but the average, they they, they can't they can't afford it to pay that extra money. You know, f- you know, for, for you know, for their son or two sons or three sons for that, you know, for some to go out there and and to tra- and go out there and play travel baseball, uniforms, you know, the the night the nice equipment, and you know the the cleats plus the gas plus if if they don't drive, you know, they got to pay the gas money and everything else, and if they play out of state, you know, ho- you know, hotels and everything else. So they like so I guess in a way they kind of keep it they kind of keep their little boys club their little fraternity um, intact by by honestly the the use of money like you sit back and say they know going full well that that the that the average that the lower middle class or the right down the middle middle class black family isn't going to spend an arm and a leg for their boys to, to go to these um, to these bougie top tier baseball camps or, or be on these uh, or be uh, now there's a, a granted there's a few exceptions here and there but they, but they know nine times out of ten that that, that they that they can't afford it so I was like alright well, well they're not going to afford it I might as well get my own little you know my own little boys club in there you know, we'll we'll have we'll have one or two black players on the team, but the majority of the team will be white. I've I've seen it, I've seen it, and I've experienced it with my own eyes. And it's, and it's not and it's not just the uh, the, uh, the travel teams; it's it's a lot of the private school, high school teams too. You know, the the the, the entire coaching staff is white, and they might have one minority. Uh, they might have one minority coach sitting there that doesn't have that big of a role, and you know they'll have they'll have the tryouts, you know, and the majority of the team will already, 
you know, will already be quote-unquote on the team because either it's a family friend that's the coach, the father, you know, is the father is the coach, or, or you know, two-thirds of the team already go to that coach's, you know, bougie top-tier private baseball camp that only, you know, 10 people know about, you know, they'll they'll go to the baseball camp and they'll basically spend hour upon hour upon hour at the baseball camp, pay an arm and a leg to be a part of that camp, you know, back in, uh, you know, back in early September to Thanksgiving, and they'll, you know, and they'll basically be like a mental note, well, they they gave me their, you know, $150 fee, so, and it, all they got to do is basically not embarrass themselves and they'll be on the team. I've seen it. And as a result, you know, the use of, the use of money and, and, and classism is, is, how they, is how they keep the black athlete out. You know, it's, 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 it's how they keep the black athlete out. On top of the fact that, on top of the fact that the black athlete themselves, personally... They don't want to deal with that long process of making it to the majors, which which is which is a fair point. But then you also have to factor in, of course, the classism and the classism and the, I guess you can kind of put it the way, the, the slick, uh, the slick covert systematic racism that's behind it as well. You know, because you know, because I, you know, for the few people, you know, for the people, not not all, but the very few people that still run major, you know, that still not run major league baseball, but they, you know, that run these high school teams and these pro and these baseball programs, they look at all these other sports and they basically don't want to, essentially allow, what you know, allow to happen to their sport what what the uh, what the you know what white folks essentially let happen to uh, MB you know let happen to basketball and, and football but the stupidity of it is is that uh, is that if you essentially like make the sport open to them and you basically promote it into the, you know to the black community in a black neighborhood and they develop and you know and you get some some big time top tier black athletes that play baseball, though you know they'll it'll change everything. And next thing you know, you'll slowly but surely have that have the black kid choose you know playing baseball. This is you know it's the same thing that happened with the old guys back in the fifties, sixties, and seventies that led to the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world in the in the nineties. And I and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it's to the point where it's like, if you're so wrapped up, if you really love the sport that much, and you're so wrapped up in spreading the love of the game, and if you're in, if, or if you're in a position of power to make money off of the sport, you you basically shoot yourself in the foot by basically. Not Jane, not Jim Crow style, as in we're discriminating against. You know, we're discriminating against colored Negroes playing, and not like that. But if you know, if you do the James, if you do the James E. Crow Esquire way, the sophisticated version of of oppression and racism and discrimination, you know, and of and you'll mix in a couple to make yourself look good, so that rumor of quote unquote racism isn't floating around. 
but there's but you see that the, that they are more caught up on basically keeping it, you know, their own little white fraternity club than they are about spreading the love of the game and and if they're in that position of power of making money off the sport. You know, I mean, I mean, I I mean, I mean, if you if you're that wrapped up, if you really love the sport and if you love making money off of it, and and even if you are that you know that racist piece or that or that bigoted piece of you know what that really doesn't even care for that black folks all that much, you have to keep in mind. Well, what's more important is are you that much of a hateful person that you would let your hatred or your dislike for a certain group of people get in the way of your bottom line? I mean, people people give the NFL people give NFL the white NFL owner crap all the time, but I mean, but you but you have to look at it at the same time. It's like, well, they can't be that hateful because because you know the majority because the majority of the of the guys that 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 has the owner's signature on on their paychecks are are, are black guys, so. I mean, for a perfect example, Jerry Jones can't hate black folks that much because you know because the best players on his team is black, and the majority of 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 his own football team is black. And the two and the two greatest players in the history of the franchise in the last twenty you know in the last twenty five thirty years are black. So, I mean, uh, it's it, it's a major problem for the sport, the lack of a black athlete. And you can't sit up here and act and wonder why, you know, the, the the black sports fan isn't showing up to the baseball games and tuning in when nine times out of ten the player that they see on the field participating in the game doesn't look like them. Or if they look like them, they don't talk like them. You know? You know, they they look black, but as soon as you put a microphone in front of them, they they're speaking they're speaking Spanish. So it's it's a major 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 problem in the sport, major problem. And then, and then baseball and then baseball wonders why it comes behind, it comes behind basketball, and and football. Well, basketball and football among other things they got they they got they got the black athlete involved. When you got the black athlete involved, you'll get the black community involved. When you get the black community involved. And and the, and they're supporting your business financially, you know, and 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 watching the games and going to games, and everything else. You 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 know, from a business standpoint, you're doing something right. I'm not saying I'm not saying use them or exploit them, but you know, make it be like a partnership, hand in hand. If 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 you give guys from our community a chance, and you increase our our community, you know, quality, the people of our community's quality of life, then we'll make your business and we'll make life for you guys better in return. Hence the NBA, hence the National Football League. And the NFL's got many problems, don't get me wrong, but, but, you, but you at least got to give them credit on this. Because if it wasn't for the NFL, you know, a, a decent, not a whole, not not everyone. Granted, there's always exceptions, and and what goes for most doesn't go for all. But 
a decent amount of, of football players would find themselves at life imprisonment or, God forbid, would, would have been dead if they hadn't picked up football and, 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 gone, and gone and God had blessed them with that talent. I want to thank you for listening to the debut of new series. Hope you all enjoyed it and uh, liked the concept of everything wrong with. I'm your host, Jay Shields. Follow me on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T-I-S. Evan Cohen will join me back with the regular podcast this weekend. God bless you. Y'all take care.